Hey guys, real quick, before we get started, I have a small request. If you've been blessed by our content and you like this show, would you take just a brief moment and leave us a five-star review? This is quite possibly the most effective thing that you can do to ensure that this content gets out to as many people as possible. Thanks. Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're listening to Daily Truth. And sadly, even us as Christians, we, we often put the blame of sin on God's law. It's the law that's the problem. Uh, that's just legalism. Uh, God's law is the problem, or the way that you, preacher, are preaching God's law, or the way that Christians are applying God's law. You're being judgmental. You're being legalistic. Well, the Apostle Paul says precisely the opposite. Paul says the problem is not the law. The problem is sin. And all the law does is that the law functions as a mirror that, that, that causes a person to see their own sin. But this is a good thing. Remember when Jesus is uh, engaged with the rich young ruler, right? And, and he says, how? Good teacher. How, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus first corrects him and says, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. Now, Jesus is God, and Jesus, therefore, is good. But, but what Jesus is questioning is this. He says, why do you call me good? What Jesus is getting at is he's saying, do you have a revelation from God the Father that I am his son? I am good. But, but do, do you know that I'm good and that I alone am good because I am the son of God? Or do you just go around calling people good? I think it may be the latter, right? Remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16 to Peter. When he said, who do men say that I am? Some say you are Elijah. Some say John the Baptist. Who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And, and Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father. That's what he's getting at with the rich young ruler. He's saying, did my Father reveal to you that I am good, that I am the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God? the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? Or do you have some kind of works mentality that just goes around thinking some people are good and some people are bad in an arbitrary sense based off of their own merit, their own morals, their own behavior? And Jesus, of course, knows the answer. It's a rhetorical question. But he moves past that. And the young man says, well, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, you know the commandments. Keep them. Did you know that there are two ways to salvation, actually? One is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And the other one is uh, moral perfection. <sighs> that is a legitimate, valid way to salvation. All you have to do is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself from the womb, perfectly, without flaw, ever. Now, since none of us have been able to do that, then we go ahead and see point A. By grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But Jesus is answering his question. He's not being facetious. It's a valid answer. All you have to do is keep the commandments perfectly. At which point, the rich young ruler, his response should have been, who then can be saved? Right? That's what the disciples, that's how they respond when Jesus talks to them about, about marriage. He says, you have heard it said that a man could divorce his wife so long as he gives her a certificate of divorce. He says, but I tell you, that from the beginning it was not so. 
But for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This, this is a lifelong unity. And, and that's not the whole law of God. That's just one aspect of the law of God as it pertains to marriage. And the disciples respond rightly by saying, oh my goodness, we're all going to hell then. You're telling me marriage is for life? You're telling me that, that just in the, the marriage category alone, I have to be perfectly faithful to my wife until the day I die and love her? perfectly, and that I can't ever send her away, not, not just physically or literally, but in my heart, emotionally. I, I can't just separate myself and give up on my wife and leave her. You're, you're saying that this is the bar for marriage? Then who can be saved? Well, with the rich young ruler, Jesus doesn't just speak to marriage. He speaks to all the commandments. And the rich young ruler has the gall to respond by saying, all these I have kept since I was a boy. At which point, Jesus' response is, uh-uh. No. <laughs> no way. But how does Jesus verbalize his disagreement? He just picks one aspect of the law of God, and he highlights it. And he happens to pick one that he knows the rich young ruler struggles with immensely. Okay, great. You've kept all the commandments. Then go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Now, that's not actually a universal moral law of God that applies to all people in all places. Otherwise, all of us are currently in unrepentant sin because I don't know about you, but, but we still have money. Now, most of us don't have quite as much of that money as we wish we did, but we haven't given everything to the poor. But it applies to this man because Jesus is God and he told him to do it. And the man can't do it. He won't do it. Because he had much wealth and he loved money. Money was his God, right? You cannot serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other. You will love the other and hate the one. And this man loved money. He was serving money as his master, not God. And the man says he walks away sad, saddened. But that sadness is not repentance. That sadness is not a characteristic of conversion. He's walking away from Jesus. What he's sad about is that he can't have both. But, but if he can only have one, he chooses his money. But the point in all this is to say that right before Jesus puts his finger on the particular idolatry in this young man's heart, and this is by no means an exhaustive list. Jesus could have picked a number of sins that would have done the trick. But, but he, he highlights and emphasizes just this one. But before Jesus does that, the Bible says he looked at him and loved him. And in loving this young man, he then highlights his sin. That is a beautiful principle that we see in that discourse, that, that correspondence between Jesus and the rich young ruler. And the principle that I want you to glean from that is this. It is a very loving thing, perhaps one of the most loving things that the Lord ever does for us when he reveals to us our sin. It doesn't always feel loving, it's not necessarily um, the preferred thing that we like to receive from the Lord. It's not my favorite thing. I, I don't really ever enjoy conviction, you know, but I don't really ever enjoy certain vegetables. You know, there are a lot of things that I don't enjoy, but they're good. They're good for me. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then in love, 
He puts his finger on his sin. And that's what we're doing. When we preach God's law, not at the expense of the gospel, but also not preaching God's gospel at the expense of his law, both law and gospel. When we preach God's law, what we're doing is we are loving people. Thanks so much for listening. But real quick, before you go, do us a small favor, take a moment, and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. This is undoubtedly the best way that you can help us get this biblically faithful content to as many people as possible. Thanks so much.